0: Welcome to Major Figures in Spanish Culture, a podcast produced by Fundación Juan Marc. In each episode, we invite renowned experts to sit down and share stories about some of Spain's most distinguished figures, who have greatly influenced and contributed to the advancement and richness of Spanish culture. Ranking among Spain's greatest 20th-century poets, Antonio Machado lived a full life paving his own path. He was part of the Generation of 1898, a group of writers that were concerned about Spain's position in the modern world and wrote to inspire people to reassess their values in order to awaken a national consciousness. Unlike his contemporaries, Machado adopted what he called eternal poetry which was based more on reflection and intuition than on intellect. Marjorie Glanz is here with us to narrate the essay of Nuria Morgado, Associate Professor of Contemporary Spanish Literature at the College of Staten Island and the Graduate Center, City University of New York.
1: Antonio Machado, Seville, 1875, Collier, 1939, is one of the great figures of modern European literature. In the Spanish-speaking world, he is today esteemed as one of the greatest Spanish poets of the 20th century and one of the primary voices of the so-called Generation of 98, a group of intellectuals committed to Spain's moral and cultural rebirth after the Spanish-American War. His presence has been paramount on the consciousness of the literary, cultural, and intellectual generations that have succeeded him, His poetic work, as well as his prose, has been the subject of much critical interpretation since the beginning. The enduring value of his work can be explained by the scope of his literary production and the depth of the themes addressed by it. Antonio Machado was not only a major Spanish poet, he was also an exemplary poet-philosopher who was poetically concerned with questions of metaphysics and intuition. His philosophical interests were the results of his Krausist upbringing and family tradition. Born in Seville in 1875, the family moved to Madrid in 1883, and he and his brother Manuel studied at the Institución Libre de Enseñanza, the Free Institution of Education, the school that modernized the Spanish educational system. Inspired by the philosophy of Krausism, a doctrine founded in Germany by the post-Kantian philosopher Karl Christian Kraus, 1781-1832. The Institution was an educational project founded in 1876 by a group of university professors who distanced themselves from any official religious dogma and the moral and political imposition of the time. Significantly, it was at the Institution— where Machado spent his early school years, that he developed an interest in philosophy and literature. Antonio Machado's oeuvre is a slender one, concentrated into a few books of subtle and emotional poetic texture. His first book of poetry, Soledades Solitudes, 1903, was re-edited in 1907 with the title Solitude, Galleries and Other Poems, Solidades, Galerías y Otros Poemas, a modernist book in character and style which emphasizes the emotions in time, lived and transcendental, as they impact him. Soledades revolves around such themes as childhood, memory, dreams, time and death, expressed through an introspective nostalgic poetic voice. Campos de Castilla, Fields of Castile, 1912, presents the poetic vision of a humanized Castilian landscape, that encompasses the land as well as themes of loss and other human affairs of the heart. To this day, Campos de Castilla is one of his best-known, most popular and beloved work. In 1912, Canciones, Songs, was published, followed 12 years later by Nuevos Canciones, 1924, New Songs. And in the interim years, Selected Pages, 1917, was published along with the first complete poetry edition, Poesias Completas, published successively in 1917, 1928, 1933, and 1936 as a compilation of his poetic work. Antonio Machado also wrote a number of plays in collaboration with his brother Manuel, and in 1931 published a series of prose pieces of philosophical reflections under the title of Cancionero Apocryphal de Abel Martín, Apocryphal Songbook by Abel Martín. And last but not least, 1936, the year of the Spanish Civil War, saw the publication of his most sustained poetically philosophical work, Juan de Mairena. Sentencias, Donaires, Apuntes y Recuerdos de un Profesor Apocryphal. Juan de Marina, Epigrams, Maxims, Memoranda, and Memoirs of an Apocryphal Professor. After the collapse of the Spanish Republic, Machado went into exile in Collier, southern France, where he passed away in 1939. Appendices to Juan de Marina along with previously unpublished fragments were compiled and posthumously published under the title of Los Complementarios. His Ars Poetica, like that of his apocryphal Juan de Marenas, deems poetry to be like music, a timeless art that aspires to transcend the particular moments in which it is produced. But it is precisely the lived time of the poet, or temporality, that the poet attempts to eternalize. As Machado put it, the poet is a fisherman whose fishes continue to live long after they have been fished out of the water. For Antonio Machado, the temporary accent is what gives us the emotion of things, and paradoxically, it is through the emotions that one reaches timelessness or the eternal. The emotions are communicated through images, ballasted by intuition or while concepts, Kant, and intuitions, Bergson, are inseparable from each other in his poetics. As he declares,
2: In
1: my opinion, it is convenient to note that poetry uses two kinds of images, which are generated in two different areas of the poet's spirit. Images that express concepts and can only have a logical meaning, and images that express intuitions and their merit is predominantly emotional. As such, Antonio Machado always rejected the kind of poets and poetry that only concerned itself with abstract images, devoid of emotions. And along with his search of the absolute in the poetic word, one of the fundamental problems that Antonio Machado would wrestle with for the rest of his life was the fundamental nature of reality as he himself tells us in his biography.
2: Mi está por lo que llama Kant. My Conquisto
1: thought is generally occupied, occupied las by las what Kant calls conflicts of transcendental ideas, and ideas. I look to poetry Entonces, for relief from this thankless task. At heart, I'm a believer in a spiritual reality opposed to that of the sensible world. From his first poems in Solidades to the poetic fragments and writings of the apocryphal Juan de Marina and Abel Martín of the 1930s, Antonio Machado never tired of ruminating on the constitution of objective reality and the subject-object divide. This important philosophical debate, which has continued to date in postmodern thought, has to do with the limits of cognitive reason and what this means for everything from science to art, from aesthetics to social theory, and from phenomenology to theories of embodiment and time. As a modernist, he explored knowledge, systems, and those forms of epistemic authority that the rationality of science and philosophy both problematized, for example, religious dogma, and enriched, for example, positivist reasoning. In line with what was happening in Europe, he made use of Kantian metaphysics to be part of the revisionist analysis of forms of subjectivity and objectivity that could accommodate new and practical approaches to the self world dialectic. He was part of a new preoccupation with observing the world, a way of seeing that could lead to a deeper understanding of the subjective element in what was apprehended, which had profound implications on the very possibility of true objective knowledge. However, what becomes apparent from his notes and correspondence is that he also expressed his unease with the radical subjectivity that dominated the literary sphere when he considered the distinction between art and life, which involved conceiving not only how it was possible for the individual to know the world, but also the ways in which the world could be rendered poetically he arrived at the conclusion that modern poetry, if it was to be considered as such, had to avoid radical subjectivism and take into account subjective and objective standpoints and recognize that the boundary between these categories was fraught with difficulties. His disquisition on the limits of knowledge and the fundamental nature of reality were engaged by much of his poetry and poetic philosophical thoughts, not only as a preoccupation about the correspondence between the external world and the individual's subjective experience of it, but also as a form of skepticism with regards to how adequately logic, science, and language could chart this external world. Metaphysics appears to him as an intellectual exercise that fails to convince us that it reaches the absolute truth that it proposes. Machado's skepticism shows its non-conformity with absolute truth and is a reaction or antidote to the kind of intellectual complacency or laziness that allows dogmatism to develop. Faced with contradictions, paradoxes, or irresolvable conflicts of a metaphysical nature, his skeptical dialectical vision of the world helps him avoid simplistic and dogmatic views of reality. Machado's dialectical skepticism stands up against the dogmatic skepticism of someone that pretends to know with certainty that truth does not exist, for example. But his dialectical skepticism neither affirms nor denies anything. Machado takes a stand against radical or dogmatic skepticism— when he affirms through his apocryphal marina scepticism, far from being as many believe, an eagerness to deny everything is, on the contrary, the only way to defend some things, and declares scepticism to be a vital position that is not afraid of contradictions. He summarizes his thinking with the statement
2: Esperemos que no sea verdad nada de lo que pensamos.
1: Let's hope that nothing we think about is true. Indeed, the many contradictory ideas manifested in his work could very well represent his expression of truths that are so ambiguous and conflicting that only paradoxes can encompass them. His inclination towards paradoxical thought is revealed in a letter to Miguel de Unamuno, published in El País, on August the 14th,
2: 1903, where he declares,
1: I no longer reject the paradox as an expression of truth, since it's obvious that at least in this lower, or earthly, world in which we live, things usually occur very much in an inverse ratio to their appearances, and that a great discoverer of truths will occasionally be a great forger of paradoxes. He also recommends doubting our own doubts, since it is the only way to start believing in something. Machado considers doubt as something constructive, a base from which beliefs can be built since, quote, "...we have not yet realized that beliefs raise problems independent of religion." Machado even proposes that human beliefs should be scrutinized by skeptics, and he proposes that Christ will return as a skeptic, since only among the skeptics will he find, quote, embers of good faith, everything else is ash. It no longer serves for the good bonfire. The contradictions that provoke the thesis and antithesis of all metaphysical speculative thinking are resolved in Machado in a synthesis that gives way to a cordial or good faith. Hence, the importance of the principle of contradiction in the sphere of faith. For good faith, as Machado would say, along with reason, are the basis of the skeptical or dialectical method necessary for human knowledge, which despite its limits, or perhaps because of it, is what makes humans attempt to go beyond themselves by means of speculative reason, transcendental, in contrast to subjective interpretation. As his apocryphal Juan de Marina
2: declares,
1: Good faith, la which is not naive faith, prior fe- to all reflection, much less that of pragmatists, always hypocritical, is the result of skepticism, the result of the frank and sincere search for the truth. Machado's cordial faith is represented by the figure of Christ. Not in vain, Antonio Machado thinks that Christ is together with Socrates, a master of
2: dialectics. And just
1: as Socrates triumphs lighting the way that leads to an intellectual communion, Christ triumphs, discovering another kind of universality, that of love. The way to the communion of mankind is through love. As Machado
2: declares, to create human
1: coexistence, reason is not enough, but it also requires faith in communion, a convergence of hearts in the same object of love. And this brings us to the theme of the multiplicity of subjects that for his apocryphal, Abel Martín, Juan de Marina's teacher, is the passionate problem of love. The heart is a fraternal monad that, quote, by essence cannot sing alone, nor can it be enough to itself, nor affirm itself without affirming its neighbor. Human fraternity, as a representation of the heterogeneity of being, and it is in that fraternal monad that the revelation of the essentially other is made
2: possible.
1: Because it is there, in the heart of man, where another divine otherness is touched and suffered, as a you of all object of loving communion, a you who is he. Antonio Machado highlights the heterogeneity of being, and in contrast to Leibniz's individual and independent monad, underlines the nostalgic for the other monad. Along with these thoughts, he declares
2: El hombre quiere ser otro. Quiere especificamente humano."
1: Man wants to be another. Here is what is specifically human. Although his own logic and natural sophistry enclose him in the narrowest solipsistic conception, his solitary monad is never thought of as self-sufficient, but as nostalgic for the other. A patient of an incurable alterity. This is how he exemplifies it in this couplet of Proverbios y Cantares, Proverbs and Songs, of his poetry book, Nuevas Canciones.
2: Poned atención. Un corazón solitario no es un corazón.
1: Pay attention. A lonely heart, it is not a heart. This Machadian desire to get out of himself, to meet the other, began as early as 1907 with his Proverbios y Cantares proverbs, and songs, and he returned to this theme repeatedly over the years. The active apprehension of the other is genuine recognition. This is how Machado expresses it in the poem that opens his Proverbios y Cantares.
2: El ojo que ves no es ojo porque tú lo veas, es ojo porque te ve.
1: The eye you see is not an eye because you see it. It is an eye because it sees you. Or, in this other poem, also from Proverbios y Cantares*,
2: No es el yo fundamental, eso que busca el poeta, sino el tú esencial.
1: It is not the fundamental self, that which the poet seeks, but the essential you. Today we find Emmanuel Levinas' attempt to solve the problem of rationalist solipsism through a theological ethics of the other very similar to that of Machado as a possible way out of the labyrinth of solitude, towards a universal brotherhood or sisterhood. In this way, we could well consider Machado as a precursor of livingness. Machado's thought invites us to widen the limits of knowledge, to rise above the senses through the mere force of speculation, embracing the multiple paradoxes, Antinomies, stuttering and contradictions that are nothing more than an attempt to understand the intimate life of the world, while recognizing the ultimate impossibility of such a task. Machado proposed that faith or good faith, closer in kind to an ethical faith rather than a religious faith, was the result of skepticism or the sincere search for the truth. For Machado, Faith is the way to truth. Faith cancels out instrumental reason. Remarkably, he proposed this at the turn of the 20th century, a moment that could well be considered the onset of postmodernism, when the interest in the connective tissue of reality eventually led to the theory of relativity and quantum mechanics, destroying the grand narrative scheme of modernity. According to Machado, then, reality is made up of contradictions, and the building and interpretation of reality is completely relative to an observer. This is what led to Jacques Derrida's undecidable Aporius. In that light, we could consider Machado a precursor of postmodernism, but with a humanist touch, for in the end, it is the deeply humanistic character of his work that makes him one of the most emblematic figures of the turn of the 20th century.
0: Thank you for joining us on Major Figures in Spanish Culture. Roberta Johnson, Professor Emerita of the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at the University of Kansas and Adjunct Professor in the Department of Spanish and Portuguese at UCLA, will join us next time to fill us in about the first woman to ever receive the prestigious Miguel de Cervantes Prize for Literature, Maria Zambrano